Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Today we celebrate episode number 2000 of our show. What a uh, feeling, what an accomplishment all of that is. By the way, if you're watching on video, you see not only the nice congratulations on 2000 episodes uh, signed there on the front of our desk, a nice brand new graphic, uh, Casey, our great uh, Dog Nation social media extraordinaire, and so many other things around here. She kind of gave me the gift of some new graphics for our uh, 2000s episode, which I'm really excited about. And obviously we're going to have fun, some fun with that over the course of our time here today and probably a little bit in the days to come here a little bit too because somebody's actually kind of made me aware of another milestone uh, that we might be hitting at just the right time. We'll tell you more about that coming up in the days ahead. Let me instead kind of do this as a way of starting our show today. In, in some respects, it's kind of ironic that today is our 2000th episode because I think we get another example today of why a show like this even exists in the first place. I don't want to be too self-serving here, but I, but I do want to kind of explain this. So years ago, my idea for Dog Nation Daily was a couple of things. Idea number one, there wasn't enough college football content in general that if you tuned into like, say, sports radio or sports on television, the kind of predominant media entities that kind of talked about, discussed sports back then, you know, there just never was enough college football, even though college football, I think, has been the second most popular sport in America for as long as I've been alive. The NFL, obviously the reigning king of sports in America. College football, we think right behind that in terms of overall popularity. But if you tuned into a television show or if you tuned into the radio, oftentimes they were talking about things other than college football. You and I, we are college football obsessives. I created this show for us because, hey, there's just not enough of that. We want to provide that. We think there's a market for that even during the non-college football season. You hear more people kind of talking that way now, but when we first started doing this in 2015, that was a little bit of a new idea. The fact that 52 weeks a year, five days a week, there would be enough interest in college football, no matter what point in time you were in the calendar, to discuss college, discuss college football. That we believe was especially true here in the state of Georgia, where you know the dogs are just the most popular sports entity. And sometimes if you tuned in to kind of the sort of reigning kings of media, whether it be you know whatever format you're thinking about, you'd be left to conclude do these people not realize how popular Georgia football is? Because right now they're talking about something else, or they may be writing about something else, or they may be you know, focusing on something else. When really what fans in Georgia want to hear about is Georgia football and Georgia doing battle with its SEC rivals. And, and, and we sort of felt like there was not just a, a hole in the market, but a market in the hole, which was the opportunity to kind of create a business around people who just wanted Georgia football conversation each and every day. And in, in doing that, I think we've provided the opportunity to talk about Georgia football the way that it should be discussed. Because if you left this to the Kirk Herbstreets, the Reese Davises, or the whoever else, and listen, I don't generally speaking have much of a beef with any of those type of guys. But if you left the Georgia football conversation to people who are several hundred miles from the epicenter of Dog Nation uh, here in the state of Georgia, then you're going to get a conversation that doesn't share and reflect the full perspective of Georgia fans. So I'm not telling you I'm the smartest person in the world or that my opinion matters more than anyone else's does. But what I've tried to do for a living here is listen very closely to the kind of conversation that Georgia fans are having and do a show that reflects the 
you know, the, the prevailing narrative of UGA fans. There's a reason each and every day we say the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. I don't just say that so you'll know that. I say that out loud each and every day so that I'll hear that myself and I'll be reminded of what this show exists to provide which is a conversation that reflects the way that fans feel at any given moment, not the way the other media feels or the way that, you know, the coaches want to talk or whatever else. This is a conversation that reflects the overall feeling of the fans. And a day like today is another reminder of just exactly why that conversation, I believe, is needed. And the fact that it's been needed has allowed us to kind of live and exist and thrive for as long as we have because y'all know what we've been talking about going back you know the last you know few months here we had this yesterday right it's like marvin harrison jr who you know ought to be i mean he is a great player and ought to be a great example of what college football is all about but unfortunately he has spent too much time it would seem with his whiny head coach ryan day and so now marvin harrison jr this great like sort of alpha wide receiver who i think is going to go on to make 100 million dollars or more in the nfl all of a sudden now he's no better than ryan day in terms of the overall whining about well if i hadn't gotten hurt if javon bullard hadn't hit me so hard uh then i stayed in the game and we could have won the game would have could have should have blah 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 we talked about that yesterday we've talked about you know kirk herb street this offseason and herb street's love affair with alabama as if this was still 2015 or something like that you know saying ah just when you cannot nick Saban, that's when alabama at its most dangerous herb street said that same nonsense a year ago was proven wrong then and thinks he can sort of re-rack the same old tired argument and nobody's going to notice that he's been selling this nonsense now for you know going on two years and it hasn't been right yet and then you've got guys like reese davis the host of espn's college game day who uh, has touted mighty Michigan as his number one overall team. And we've said over and over again, we actually don't care about somebody picking someone other than Georgia to win a game or win a national championship or whatever else, that there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. But the degree to which opinions seem to go against Georgia, both after its first national championship in 2021 and its most recent national championship in 2022, We've just sort of said that doesn't necessarily reflect the narrative the way that it should be, which is last year, not only did George win the national championship, it actually won the thing pretty darn easily, right? Like, I, you know, some of us have been around the block a few times here. How many teams have you ever seen win a national championship easier than Georgia did a year ago? And I think Georgia fans who've been kind of waiting for a long time to sort of be on top of the college football world, I think what they'd say is, hey, you know, our team's actually kind of accomplishing in a pretty, you know, significant way right now. Our team's actually doing some really good things here right now. Um, it'd be nice to have this acknowledged. I've used the line before that, you know, Roman Reigns makes famous in the WWE. Acknowledge me. Reigns may be a tech guy, but o- overall, that's still a pretty good perspective, I think, for Georgia fans to have. Of Hey, you can talk about Michigan if you want to. You can talk about Ohio State if you want to. You can talk about Alabama if you want to. But before you do that, acknowledge me. If you want to make the case for someone else make, winning the national championship, you better be ready to explain why Georgia's not going to win the national championship first because Georgia's won the last two. The onus is on you to make the case against Georgia if you want to make the case for somebody else. And that's why shows like this exist, to sort of bring a little bit more I guess, of a rational perspective and what sometimes can be a somewhat irrational conversation around college football. But as Georgia fans do this kind of thing, it actually gives Georgia a little bit of a bad mark with some media types. Now, we don't care about that necessarily, but once again, it's sort of an example of why Georgia fans have to have their place to congregate, have to have their opportunity to do their, you know, have their shows and their and their discussions and things like that, because you can't trust the national media to do this for you. You just simply can't. I'll give you an example. Tom Fornelli is a writer for CBS 
CBSSports.com. Now, listen, I don't have any beef with Fernelli. If anything, I guess I like him more so than not. I certainly, you know, have consumed a lot of his content over the years. So this is not like anti-Tom Fernelli to the extent that that's even a kind of thing that someone would even feel compelled to do whatsoever. But I think Fornelli in the clip I'm about to play for you does sort of reflect what I do think that some Georgia fans find pretty irritating here right now. All the evidence that I just cited of all the people who seem to once again be wanting to make a case for somebody other than Georgia here this year. I don't think you can fault Georgia fans for noticing that. I don't think you can fault Georgia fans for just sort of paying attention. And what's the like the Mark Cuban gif where you kind of like write the thing down? I don't think you can fault Georgia fans for just kind of taking notes every now and then when somebody sort of makes their case against Georgia here this year. But if you notice that too much, all of a sudden the media wants to gripe back at you. And Tom Fornelli on the Cover 3 podcast kind of gave an example of that. Now, I shortened this clip, the beginning of it. He said some nice things about Georgia. But the part that matters is apparently he's grown tired of Georgia fans, grown frustrated with Georgia fans. All of a sudden now he wants to criticize Georgia fans for the fact that Georgia fans have dared to notice some of the nonsense that's been said about other college teams thus far this offseason. Whether it be Marvin Harrison and Ryan Day's whining, Jim Harbaugh's boasting, by the way, more on that in a moment uh the espn game day hosts lining up beside somebody else other than georgia firing the one georgia guy they had on their set uh georgia fans have just taken notice of this and apparently the way in which they've noticed has drawn the ire of at least one national media tie this is what tom fornelli apparently said about georgia fans this week take a listen to this they're kind of devolving into nuts and it's kind of like you see it when when programs get really big and fan base is kind of you know like they're they're all confident and you're winning titles like the, the better the program gets, the thinner the skin gets of fans of that program. And they can't accept any kind of slight or criticism where it's like, oh, you hate us, blah, blah, blah. And I'm seeing that so much from Georgia fans this offseason. And it's I think it all stems from Kirby telling the team, you know, like, hey, nobody believes in you, blah, 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 which is fine to tell your players because you need that kind of motivation to get through a season when you have the expectations they do and it's tough. But the fans, you don't have to buy into it. Nobody thinks you stink. Nobody thinks you're not going to make the playoff. Nobody thinks you aren't the favorite to win the national title. Everybody understands you will be in the national title or in the playoff. So that quote right there is why Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, exists. That quote right there is why we've lasted 2,000 episodes. It is. And I don't hate Tom Fernelli. In fact, I don't even dislike Tom Fernelli. Uh, But that quote is why Dog Nation Daily has existed for as long as it has and probably will exist for as long as we hope that it does. Because the idea of confronting that kind of stuff is not going to go out of style anytime soon. It's just not. It's just not. The fact that Georgia fans have dared to notice what has been said about either Georgia or other college football teams so far this offseason can now be categorized by some as sort of devolving into being nuts, into being crazy. Georgia fans, you're crazy because you've got too thin skin. Um, Fornelli at the end of that quote says, nobody thinks you're not going to be in the college football uh, playoff. Nobody thinks you're not going to be a part of the national championship conversation. I guess that may be true, except for the two most prominent people in the entire sport. Reese Davis, the host of ESPN's College Game Day. Kirk Herbstreit, the loudest single voice in the entire sport, the most prominent analyst overall. We've already got them on the record going in the direction of a Michigan or an Alabama. Uh, And a year ago, by the way, when Georgia was the reigning national champion, coming back into the 2022 season, when Georgia won the national championship with ease, yet at the beginning of the year, I mean, literally speaking, nobody picked them to win it. Uh, They were preseason number three. And what we said at the time was, if you want to make the case for Alabama, you can do so. You want to make the case for Ohio State, you can do so. 
Um, but the idea that it's unanimous at the beginning of the 2022 season that nobody thought Georgia could win the national championship, that in itself kind of worked out to be a slide. Now, the truth is, is that Nolan Smith, another, excuse me, Nolan Smith doesn't help our argument and our cause on this because he did sort of, you know, I guess exaggerate some of this kind of stuff. But just because Nolan exaggerated, it doesn't mean that there wasn't some real stuff that got Georgia fans real attention and doesn't mean that some of that stuff doesn't linger in here before the start of the uh, 2023 season. Now, the other thing that Tom Fornelli kind of points out, which is, I think, part of this there, too, is Kirby Smart doesn't play this game, right? It's like Kirby Smart does not get into war of words. It's like you see... You know, certain coaches are kind of going back and forth with each other, like the stuff that Sean Payton, the new Broncos coach, said, and he kind of fired off at the Jets. Now the Jets are firing back. Like this is these are professional men kind of going back and forth, you know, like this. Kirby Smart doesn't play that game. So when it comes to like defending Georgia or making the case for Georgia, all the more reason for shows like this to exist because Kirby Smart's too busy to do that. Kirby Smart, you know, uh, does his talking with his helmets. He said that, you know, many times over and and over and over again. He's not going to do that. So once again, we're sort of left as fans to do this for ourselves because the Georgia team is a lot more professional, a lot more buttoned up than that. They're just not going to do that. But, But once again here, to kind of accentuate why stuff like this i guess it's so ridiculous in the eyes of so many georgia fans that georgia fans will be the ones getting criticized for the stuff they've happened to notice here this offseason like we have an example this week about how crazy the narrative about georgia has been how much it's been pushed by actually very prominent figures inside the sport media types around the sport and uh georgia fans i don't think should have to apologize for what they have noticed other people having said there was a story at dognation.com yesterday i know our producer michael carvel also had talked about this uh, a lot over the weekend uh, too he had kind of you know shared some of this with me so jim harbaugh is quoted in a bruce feldman story in the athletic and like like if you're a georgia fan how else are you supposed to take this other than a slight like what else would you do with this other than take it as a slide i want to show you the quote here feldman wrote the story now feldman apparently he must really have a lot of access to the Michigan program because he's already been doubting him a lot already. Uh, but at, at dognation.com, so I'm going to read this. This is Connor Riley's story about Bruce Feldman and Jim Harbaugh, their little exchange here. So Connor writes, in speaking, and by the way, Connor will join us here in a moment. In speaking with the Athletics' Bruce Feldman, Harbaugh made it clear how talented he thinks this Michigan team can be. He told Feldman he believes Michigan won't just break Georgia's record of 15 players taken in a single NFL draft, but are going to shatter it. The quote here is, I think we're going to have 20 guys picked in the next NFL draft. I bet we break that draft record. Georgia had 15 that year. So if you're a Georgia fan and you're like, who is Jim Arbaugh to say this kind of stuff about Georgia? Apparently just for noticing that, the Tom Fornellis of the world think that makes you nuts. Well, there you go. That's all you need to know right there. This is the atmosphere and the climate that currently exists around college football where everybody under the sun, the Bruce Feldmans, the Reese Davises, the Kirk Streets, the on and on you go, everybody in the world seems to want to cloud chase right now by making a pick of something other than Georgia because it's boring to pick the team that's won two years in a row. And it's Georgia fans who are crazy because they happen to notice that. Well, guess what? I don't think Georgia fans are thin-skinned about this. I don't think Georgia fans are you know, necessarily you know, mad about this. What I think Georgia fans are doing is they are simply taking receipts. This is what they did before the uh, game against Tennessee last November when you had anonymous coaches telling ESPN that Georgia was going to give up 50 and no one was going to be able to beat Tennessee and all that stuff there. The entire game day crowd, for the most part, picked uh, Tennessee to win that game. All Georgia fans did was they kept the receipts. And, yeah, 
fans were intense inside the stadium that day. The team itself fed off that, and they marched towards a go for two and 22. National championship season was on. That's what this is all over again. It's simply a matter of if you're going to talk up Michigan, Georgia fans are going to notice. If Michigan and Jim Harbaugh is going to talk up itself, Georgia fans are going to notice. If Ohio State spends an entire year whining for having lost to Georgia the same way Alabama had spent the entire year before that whining because they lost to Georgia, Georgia fans are going to notice. And they are not going to apologize for noticing. And when Georgia goes for 3-23, and 23, something we believe they're going to do, Georgia fans are going to bring this back up. Right now, Georgia are the is, is the kings of college football. And Georgia fans get to decide what kind of benevolent dictatorship they want to run, how gracious, how generous they want to be. And if Georgia wants all the spoils that come its way from victory, that's the choice. And right now, some fans are saying, I don't quite think the media is talking about my team the way they probably should. And so with the dogs on the field, we're going to give them one more chance to get it right, and we'll see if the media is actually capable of doing that. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and coming to you here for the 2,000th time, and we are glad to have you with us for the program today. You know, when we first started, it was just podcasts, because that's basically all there was. This is kind of like, <laughs> it's weird to think how much the media, like, you know, social media and actual media has kind of changed since August of 2015 when we first kicked this thing off. You know, back then, the streaming video stuff just wasn't really a thing very much, but we were out there doing a podcast. Uh, you know, now it's Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Twitch. I still don't know how we get on all those platforms. I still don't believe I could even find Twitch. But, um, but you know what? We're there. I'm thankful, and I'm glad that we're able to do this for you each and every day. Uh, our radio partners have always been so good to us as well on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, and I want to find them. And then, of course, uh, podcast. You know, now it's Apple, Spotify, and a million other ways there as well. It's just really cool to watch the way in which not just the show has grown over the years, but the way in which the platforms which the show is made available, that's grown there too, because we just want to meet people where they are and kind of do all of that. And so we're really really excited to be able to do that we appreciate our friends at engineered solutions of georgia for making it all possible there as well truly 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 the relationship we have with so many great sponsors is the way in which we're able to do all of this because i you know i, I couldn't have done this on my own we first started the show you know way back then you know it was kind of designed to be one of those things i could just do on my own right i wasn't recording it live i could add you know kind of add all the bells and whistles that i wanted and kind of take some time to kind of you know publish it and you know get it all ready to go you know back then that's kind of what it was well you know now it's kind of grown to the point where i don't really know how to do the video stuff and i don't really you know obviously the studio the lights and the cameras and the microphones things like that it's sort of grown into something that's so far beyond you know my you know ability to be able to control it, it takes an entire crew of folks we got both michael carvel and kaylee manzel here today uh you got you know casey working on some great graphic stuff for us todd who you know make sure the show shows up on the website and all that kind of stuff which i would never be able to do so we could not do this without a team of folks and we couldn't have a team of folks working on this without a, a great sponsor who makes this all possible like our friends and engineered solutions of georgia today so i sincerely thank those of you who have shown support to them for the support they've shown to us because honestly that's kept us in business it's you know i've got two kids i've got a wife it's allowed me to to support my family and i am so so thankful to that so if you're a homeowner and you you know you see like those signs of water you know issues 
or uh, uh, you know water intrusion, or if you see you know the, the foundation issues, it's time to reach out and give my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia a call. And you know the signs of this. You've been hearing me talk about it for years. When it rains, if you see water inside the house, you need to get that fixed. You need to get that seen about in the garage, crawl space, certainly down in the basement. Sometimes that stuff just sort of gets in. You don't even know how it got in. It's just there. A little puddle shows up. Well, over the course of time, enough water can do an incredible you know amount of damage you already know that so reach out get it seen about the same thing for those cracks in the walls sometimes they show up like horizontal cracks in the sheetrock sometimes it's like the stair step stuff you see in the brick you know sometimes it's just the way in which a door doesn't quite close the way that it's supposed to or you know, there's all kinds of things like that they're just uh, something might be going on here well the best way to get peace of mind is to reach out to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia and listen they are a solutions-based company that means they're they're interested in creating a solution to your problem and oftentimes the problems are actually relatively small you know it's your home so you make it big in your mind but the actual truth is it could be smaller and if it is ESOG is happy to give you a simple fix for your relatively small problem. But if it's a more substantial issue, all the more reason to have ESOG on the job because they've got an entire team of engineers on staff to do great work for you. That is what they are all about. So I want you to give them a call. 678-ESOG now. 678-ESOG now. Here's the cool thing. Not only is Engineered Solutions of Georgia a longtime friend of ours, and a, a great supporter of uh, Dog Nation Daily. But they're also proud partners of UGA as well. That means when you support Engineered Solutions of Georgia, you're also supporting a company that supports the dogs. And let me tell you, there's a great feeling associated with all that there too. So check out our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. We will do all of uh, that. And glad to have them with us here today. All right, so we are going to roll on here in a moment. We'll talk to Connor Riley. That's going to be a, a good time. We'll be glad to have Connor as a part of our show here today and a great guest for our 2000th episode. We'll talk to him about some of the stuff I mentioned there before. Georgia fans kind of under the microscope here a little bit for some of the things they've noticed thus far this offseason, the start of Georgia practice coming up here this week, uh, all kinds of fun things going down on all of that. So uh, make sure you uh, join us and we'll be a part of that here in a moment. For now, though, let's get ready to go around the doghouse here today. And obviously, um, as I said before, Georgia practice gets ready to get going here this week. And I have kind of noticed what I think is a little bit of a vibe shift around one of the most important topics for Georgia ahead of the upcoming fall camp, which begins this week. Georgia obviously begins the season, you know, at the end of the month. And I feel like that one of the things we know we're going to be talking about what's is what's going down at the quarterback spot. And I've kind of given you some, I think, candid uh, response, you know, remarks before about kind of how I've seen the quarterback position sort of evolve in my mind. I think when you kind of, you know, realize that Stetson Bennett's career was going to come to an end uh, after last January and George would be looking for a new quarterback for the 2023 season, my initial thought was this is a quarterback race that I expected to be wide open. I expected Brock Vandergriff to make a big push for the job. I expected Gunnar Stock to make a big push for the job. I expected Carson Beck to, you know, maybe begin first snap of the first practice as the lead guy. But I really was of the belief that a Stockton or a Vandergrift would have a chance to win this starting job just as much as Carson did, that his experience maybe gave him an edge in the case of Carson, but it would not necessarily be the deciding factor. That's kind of the belief that I sort of had about Georgia at the quarterback position. Well, during spring, the scenario kind of played out, at least in my eyes, in my mind, a little bit different than I thought that it would. I thought the Carson back looked 
really mature. I was really impressed with his performance during G-Day. The, the kind of vibe around Carson from the people that I know who know somebody who know somebody was also pretty positive as well. And a Carson Beck, who, when he had a chance to emerge as a starting quarterback back in 2021 when JT Daniels was hurt prior to the UAB game, a game in which Stetson Bennett took his first step towards becoming a historic figure in this program, when Beck, who had the chance to be the starter that day and it didn't quite work out for him, that all of a sudden the Beck we see now in 2023 has, to me, just felt like a completely different uh, quarterback, much more mature, much more ready for the moment now than he was then. And I think that Carson himself has even kind of kind of admitted that and acknowledged that. So to conclude spring practice, I actually thought that Beck was far more out in front of the uh, quarterback situation than I sort of expected him to be. And I've sort of been operating throughout the offseason here with I don't want to say the certainty that Carson Beck was the quarterback but I have definitely been treating Carson Beck in my mind as if he is you know the starting quarterback even if he's not been named for all intents and purposes this is his job here right now and yet as we get ready to begin fall camp sort of officially you know this week I sort of sense there's been a little bit of a vibe shift a little bit around Georgia and the quarterback position. I, I sort of sense there's a little bit, a little something going on here. Now, I could be wrong about this. Sometimes your intuition kind of fails you, and I'm not saying this means the Carson Beck won't be the starting quarterback. That's not what I'm not what I'm here to do. I'm just noticing a vibe shift, and then some of this is actually kind of playing out, played out on our show here just a little bit. I've played this clip for you before, but I want to play it for you again as a way of just kind of reinforcing what I'm talking about. You know, Jake Fromm, who at one point in time on our show said what we all kind of believe, which is the job is Carson Beck's to lose. When he was on with us a couple of weeks ago, you know, Jake said, hey, you know, maybe maybe the door is open here for a, for a Brock Vandegrift or, or, or a Gunner Stockton. You know, maybe that door is open here a little bit as the practices officially get ready to get going. Let me give you a reminder of Jake Fromm on this because it kind of sets us up for where we want to go after that. This is Jake Fromm. It's about to get real for those guys, man. It's about to come in, competing. Um, and I think what the rest of the team wants to see uh, is the guy who's going to be consistent, compete every day, um, and, and really take the bull by the horns and, and be a great leader for this team uh, throughout camp, man. Camp's tough. It's a grind. Uh, man, they want to see the same guy in and out of the huddle uh, every single day. So, um, you know, as far as the, the competition going on, um, you know, Carson wasn't there at SEC Media Days. Um, so, you know, maybe it, uh, it might be slightly more open than, than we might think. So Jake saying, well, you know, you didn't take Carson Beck to SEC media days and, you know, maybe perhaps thinking about some other things there too, says perhaps this quarterback competition is more open right now than we all think. So Jake saying that, you know, kind of got me thinking about that a little bit more. You know, is there a chance that Brock Vandegriff and Gunnar Stockton are in this and competing, you know, more alongside Carson Beck than I perhaps considered them to be after a G Day performance, which I thought that Carson Beck, you know, played well enough to be the Georgia starting quarterback, was kind of treated like the Georgia starting quarterback, sort of gave off the vibe of being the Georgia starting quarterback. You know, I I sort of concluded April thinking, well, Carson's probably your guy there. I feel like I've seen enough. That was the vibe then, but the vibe seems to maybe be shifting now. Now, some of this could just be, hey, you know, we're just hungry for storylines and you want to consider all possibilities. It's, that may be what some of this is, but some of this may also be the fact that Brock Vandegriff and, and, and Gunnar Stockton really are still yet to be heard from fully and officially, and their moment to make their move may just now truly be occurring. 
I'll tell you a guy who also seems to believe that is another great former Georgia quarterback. That's David Green, who, you know, going back to the early 2000s, working, you know, with Mike Bobo as a quarterback's coach, set records at Georgia. You know, one of the most prolific passers in SEC history, one of the most, you know, prominent winners in NCAA history at the time of his career. He was on the show last week. He also talked about the nature of this quarterback competition. And while he has great respect for Carson Beck, as we would all do, you know, given the, the Beck skill set that we've seen, once again, David Green kind of making the case for the other quarterbacks in this competition, contributing to what I said before, at least for now, seems like a little bit of a vibe shift. David Green here on the subject of the Georgia quarterback situation from our show last week. You know, all the reports you hear from Carson Beck is he, he's done a phenomenal job of stepping in, commanding the offense. Uh, I think a lot of people can see and kind of get a feel for how athletic um, you know Brock Vandegrift is. I mean, he's got a huge arm. I remember watching him play a number of times in high school as well. You know, the one thing that you know may possibly give him an edge at times as well is I've heard I heard an interview at one point. They asked Kirby, "Have you, you know, do you evaluate the quarterback position any differently now since Stetson has been here?" And he said, "No, not really." But he did say, "I do put more stock in mobile quarterbacks." Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be something just naturally. You know, uh, Vandegrift's probably a little more athletic and run the run the football a little bit better. And so I think that's something that could maybe give him uh, an edge a little bit. And then when, when you look at Gunner, I think Gunner to me is just one of those guys that he just kind of has an it factor a little yeah. bit. Like you can't really always put your finger on what made them unique, but it's, he's kind of one of those guys that when the ball is in his hand, you kind of think that you're going to go down and score. Do you get what I'm saying here on this? Sort of sounds like David Green, a guy who knows the quarterback position, uh, Jake Fromm, a guy who knows the quarterback position, Sort of seems like as of right now, they are not counting out these other guys. And listen, once again, you know, we make our predictions. My prediction is, is that uh, Carson Beck will be Georgia's starting quarterback, barring injury, I believe, for the entire season. That's my prediction here right now. I saw a lot from him this spring that I liked. But when smart guys like Jake and David are making the case for Brock and Gunner, I got to listen to that. I, I got to acknowledge that. And I got to be a little bit more open-minded going into summer camp that Kirby Smart, who has certainly done everything he can to make it be known this competition is still open. He told ESPN back at Media Days that it would be wrong to assume that Carson Beck has done enough to be the starting quarterback. He may be ahead in the competition. His experience may give him a leg up, but it's not over. It's not done with. And when you hear other Georgia quarterbacks accentuate the reasons why that might be true, we ought to be left to conclude that it's not just Coach Beak from Kirby Smart. It's not just something that he's saying. It's something that, uh, that that we might ought to consider. So I am of the belief that whatever's going to happen at Georgia with the quarterback spot, it's not going to be a secret. Success leaves clues. If Carson looks great this summer, we'll probably hear that. There'll be whispers because, you know, boosters and – you know, uh, all kinds of folks will see some of the scrimmages and stuff. This is not really a secret, right? I mean, people will have eyes on these Georgia scrimmages in August. So if Carson Beck is lighting the world on fire, we'll hear that. If a Brock Vandegrift is making a big push to maybe unseat Carson Beck, Kirby Smart will talk about that. He won't keep that a secret. He'll he'll elevate that because if the if Brock's truly emerging, that only has the potential to either make Brock better for having overtaken Carson or it makes Carson better for having held off Brock. 
So if Brock really is kind of pushing the competition, Kirby Smart, I believe, will be more than happy to elevate that idea and let us all know about it because it just kind of spices up the competition, which is ultimately what, what Kirby Smart kind of you know wants to do in all of these kinds of things. So, you know, maybe we ought to consider, hey, this is an open competition and there is still some room for mystery and intrigue. After all, George has had a way of surprising us at the quarterback spot before. And we ought to know that in some form or fashion, we'll get some clues about where all of this might be eventually heading based on the way that players and coaches talk about all this and what the whisper campaign, which there always always is every August, what the whisper campaign is telling us about all of this could be a fun competition and certainly going to provide plenty of mystery and intrigue for Georgia fans who I know no doubt are watching all of this very closely and that is around the doghouse here on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of Georgia here today and we are glad to have you with us before we're done we're gonna do a little bit of a look back on kind of I guess some of the (laughs) important milestones in dog nation uh, daily history some of these are uh, kind of wild to think about we'll go back and look at some of that here in a uh, little bit so we'll have some fun with that also today on the program a former georgia assistant has had some pretty big talk out there right now which has gotten a lot of attention in a way that typically doesn't happen for guys when they work at georgia but apparently you go somewhere else and uh, all of a sudden things get a little bit different so we'll tell you what's out there on that also we could be right at the cusp of a major change coming to college football we've had so much of that uh, as of late and more of that could be on the way here so a lot to kind of get to uh, with all of that we'll cover all of those bases before we're done on episode 2000 but for now a guy who's been on a good number of these episodes throughout the years and i'm glad to have him both as a uh as a guest and one-time producer and everything else in between uh it's connor riley here on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia let's talk to him right now From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Got a great new graphics package for the show. Uh, Casey, our terrific uh, you know, team member, has kind of put some of that together for us. So our uh, graphic here for Connor Riley looks great. Nice looking picture there for him. Uh, all kinds of uh, fun stuff going on. Uh, Connor's picture taken inside Sanford Stadium, which is kind of a uh, cool thing to be able to see there. So, Connor, welcome to the show, episode 2000. What a great guest to have because you have been a part of so many of these episodes throughout the years. So I certainly appreciate you being with us here today. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievably cool to get to celebrate this milestone with you. Uh, I can honestly say I would not be where I am today or who I am today without you, your presence, your friendship. And so... Uh, it's really cool that we get to do this every Tuesday, and I look forward to another 2,000 shows and plenty more memories and, and, and fun times along the way with UBA. Thank you, Connor. I really appreciate it. That's incredibly nice of you to say, and I'm certainly proud of the things that we've gotten to do together and looking forward to the things we will do together here coming up in the uh, years to come. And one of the things I was talking about before you joined us is is that when you see some of the stuff that's out there, you're kind of reminded of why a show like this even exists to begin with, because I do think that Georgia fans have a perspective that deserves to be heard. You can't trust the national media to share that perspective correctly. They just simply won't do it. Um, they're just too far away to even be aware of in some cases, not necessarily malicious it's just you know ignorance more than anything else and so you wrote the story dognation.com yesterday you know jim harbaugh saying we're gonna have 20 guys get drafted you know <laughs> it's quite a bold claim on the uh, on the part of harbaugh and georgia fans notice that kind of stuff and they notice when marvin harrison jr and ryan day you know whine about what they're whining about the big 10 officials on the take there as well they're whining about this too uh, what happened in the Peach Bowl a year ago? Alabama fans spent the entire 2021 offseason, or you know, going into the 2022 season, whining. 
uh, ESPN Game Day hosts or making the case for teams other than Georgia, despite the fact that UJ's won the last two national championships. And Connor, as you know, Georgia fans are just going to notice this stuff and they are going to keep the receipts. And when Georgia goes out and if they go for three and 23, Georgia fans are going to bring this stuff back up because that's the way that sports works. And so I don't think Georgia fans have to apologize for feeling a little bit slighted about the ongoing shopping spree to sort of find something other than Georgia to talk about. Hey, yeah, uh, when when you're on top of the college football world, teams are going to take shots at you. Uh, you know, in, in the Michigan case, I think it's pretty clear that Michigan views Georgia as the standard in college football right now, and they're using that as motivation, I think, to to push themselves forward uh, and, and, you know, try and, and take that next step. Now, Michigan had a chance to meet Georgia last year and really just, I, there's no other way to say this, really crap the bed against TCU, a team that, based on what we saw in the national championship game. If Michigan is as talented as that team seems to think it is, they should have beaten TCU rather easily, and they found a way to lose that game. And so, you know, I mean, the Ohio State stuff, you know, to an extent, they can't control what they're asked, uh, and, you know, you can at least appreciate the candor there, but at a certain point, it it is time to move on. I will say this, for all the talk that Ohio State has been making this offseason, for all that Michigan has been saying, it might be really, really funny at the end of the season if Penn State goes unbeaten and wins the Big Ten. Big Ten you know, Big Ten powers spent all this time talking and they couldn't even win their own division. Yeah, that would certainly be funny indeed. And my overall opinion on the Harbaugh thing may be a little bit different than you might expect because while I think it's ridiculous that they would have 20 players get drafted, I think that's patented nonsense, I would much rather you talk big about something that hasn't happened yet but could happen as opposed to someone like you know Ryan Day or Marvin Harrison Jr. talking big about some sort of hypothetical that has no chance of happening. You understand what I'm saying here? Like Marvin Harrison Jr. says, if I hadn't gotten hurt, we would have won. Now, I don't believe that's true, but we'll never know one way or another because that can't happen. That is a hot take about a hypothetical scenario. There's nothing more annoying to me than that. Where in the case of Jim Harbaugh, he may be shooting his mouth off in a way that's cartoonishly foolish, but one way or another, this is something that we can go back later on and say, did this turn out to be true? And if Harbaugh has you know 20 players drafted, or even if he has like 17 or 18 players drafted, we can say, hey, you know what? Jim Harbaugh was kind of onto something. Maybe he knew something we didn't. If he has you know something far less than that, which I believe is likely, then we can kind of hold his feet to the fire. So I'd much rather somebody like Jim Harbaugh talk big about something that could happen in the future as opposed to someone like, say, Ryan Day or Marvin Harrison Jr. who are talking big about some sort of hypothetical from the past. The woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff I think is completely a waste of time. At least Jim Harbaugh is talking big about something that might be able to be judged one way or another. Yeah, and it's not it, it's not Jim Harbaugh's fault. He doesn't have a, a Cobra slash Tom Skerritt in his life to tell him, hey, you're writing, your mouth's writing checks, your body can't cash. <laughs> uh, and, and look, Jim Harbaugh knows how talented firsthand that 2021 Georgia team was because they met up on the field together with a Joe Moore, Joe Moore win, award-winning offensive line and just got annihilated for, for the entirety of that game there. And look, that was a Georgia team that got 15, uh, 15 draft picks. And, and mind you, four, you know, like John Fitzpatrick was drafted, and he didn't even get invited to the combine. And so you know, the, the record for combine invites is 14. And so you know, it's an incredible thing to ponder. Uh, but, again, you know, one thing if you're saying, yeah, I think this team is talented enough, they have enough draft-eligible guys to where they can reset 
that record. Uh, it's one thing to do it, you know, by one or two. You know, Georgia beat LSU, the 2019 plus 2020 NFL draft LSU team, by one. To top that by an additional five uh, is a little ridiculous. And, you know, again, it's a nice round number to say, yeah, we're going to have 20 draft picks. Uh, you know, 18 draft picks isn't quite as catchy in the middle of August as 20 might sound. And I'll say one more thing about this. We'll talk about something different. What's funny about like Kirby Smart is, is in the year they had 15 draft picks, you know, you know, I know Mike Griffith asked him about this a few times and Kirby kind of always undersold Georgia's draft potential. You remember this, which is not to say that he doesn't believe in his players or anything like that, but the idea that, that he would in any way like validate some sort of record breaking, you know, prediction or, or do like Harbaugh is and say, we're going to shatter that record. You know, we're going to go way above that. Like I, I keep remembering like in the year in which Georgia had the 15 draft picks, Kirby Smart was asked about that throughout the year. And he always kind of undersold that. He always kind of, you know, was much, I guess, more shy about making some sort of proclamation like that. You know, Harbaugh is just a different cat all the way around, I guess. Uh, but it's really interesting to think about Kirby Smart, the year that Georgia had the 15 draft picks, just how differently he talked about the draft potential on his team. Yeah, it, it speaks to, you know, we rarely see Kirby come out and, and celebrate. You maybe get it, you know, 15 minutes after the SEC championship game, another 15 after uh, the potential, a potential college football playoff win. And then, you know, he, he treats himself and gives himself, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour, depending on, you know, how long the postgame festivities last in the national championship game. That's pretty much it we see from a happy Kirby Smart throughout the year, or one who's going to pound his chest and celebrate. You know, I was, I was standing behind him at the national championship game this past year when, he, when he's, you know, running down the sideline holding up the three fingers yeah. uh, to, to say we're going for a three-peat. And it was one of the more, like, I can't believe he just did that. Not because, you know, the idea sprung into his head. I think that's a pretty common thing to think about. But just the fact that it ran so counter to, as you point out, everything we've sort of seen in the way Kirby Smart operates. Now, no, Jim Harbaugh's got a lot of friends in the NFL still from his time there with the San Francisco 49ers. Michigan has, you know, been one of, I believe, the top five producing NFL draft programs in recent years. So you can understand why Harbaugh maybe thinks the way that he does. But to your larger point, it, it sort of just speaks to the difference of two guys who were born uh, both on December 23rd. Uh, but Smart and Harbaugh go about doing things very different ways. And while they've both been very successful, you know, Smart has been a little bit more successful in terms of reaching the mountaintop. I'll also say this just really, really fast. You want to go back to the very beginning of our show, like 2016, near the near the front of all this. You know, back then we were talking about Harbaugh kind of a lot. You know, just being hired at Michigan and uh, you know early satellite caps camp stuff and things like that. Like he was a pretty you know controversial figure, or or you know certainly a lightning rod for discussion you know back then and then for a good number of years we didn't talk about him at all it's kind of funny to think we've sort of now kind of circled back to where Harbaugh is a guy that shows up on shows like this again because Connor for a good long while there at Michigan he was relatively irrelevant but you know all of a sudden he sort of feels like a little bit more of a uh, of a conversation starter around the sport than he would have uh you know certainly more in the last few years almost like it was when he first got hired for the job there Right. And, you know, one, it does speak to the fact that Michigan is the only other team in Georgia to make the college football playoff in each of the last two years. But, you know, it's amazing to think back, you know, 2020 season, Joe Milton was starting for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, and that team was pretty poor, and Milton ultimately gets benched. And it's interesting to see the rise that Michigan has gone on, and separately, you know, the path that Milton has taken and some of the hype that has surrounded him. Uh, you know, I think going into – 
now the 2023 season, people have that Tennessee game, not just Georgia fans, but national media types have that Tennessee game circled. Uh, so it'll be interesting to sort of see how that all plays out. And then I think, you know, for ranking interesting playoff matchups, you know, if Ohio State, Georgia is, one, is number one, Georgia, Michigan might be number two is what Harbaugh had to say here in recent weeks. So let me shift the gears here. And I said this a moment ago, and I want people to understand what I'm saying, and maybe they don't because I'm sure I'm probably easy to misunderstand from time to time, but I sense a little bit of a vibe shift right now, Connor. And this is not my prediction that Carson Beck won't be the starting quarterback, but it seems like the door is open now more than it was at the end of spring practice. And some of that may be just our natural desire for content and our natural desire to have things to talk about. I totally acknowledge that. But I left spring practice thinking I'd seen enough. Uh, Carson Beck is this team's quarterback, and that is not necessarily the way that I thought I would be after spring practice. Carson really won me over. Positive reviews from people who saw practices, what I you know, kind of saw with my own eyes on G-Day. I was, I was kind of Team Carson and, and, and content to be that after spring practice. We've had a number of guests on our show the last you know week or so, the Jake Fromms, the David Greens, people like that. They're kind of talking about the possibility of other quarterbacks here, and it just seems like fans are kind of more open to this now than they would have been you know, a couple of months ago or whatever else. There's a little bit of a vibe right now where quarterback competition sort of feels open again. Am I just making that up, or do you kind of sense that vibe is kind of out there right now too? I, I, you, you hear what people are saying, you hear the chatter, and, and you understand that. Uh, you know, it, it is something to talk about, and this is sort of the reason why maybe you sometimes want to see a coach come out and name a starter, uh, just because this stuff sort of lingers. And also, you know, as we get closer to the season, sort of build, it's a way, it's a natural way to build interest. Uh, I'll say this, like, again, well, we saw on G-Day, if, if Carson Beck continues to play like that, he is going to be the starter. Uh, I, I have very little doubts about that. Having said that, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they actually do the thing against South Carolina, but it would not surprise me in the slightest, knowing what we know about Kirby Smart, knowing how, you know, Brock Vandegrift's mobility is a big differentiator between him and Carson Beck, and you can include Gunnar Stockton there as well. And they're not going to be able to use that as often as they would like to in these fall camp practices because quarterbacks aren't allowed to be hit. It would not surprise me in the slightest if you saw against UT Martin, against Ball State, say on the third drive of the game, they trot Brock out there to sort of see what he can do and give him maybe perhaps a more fair chance to use his full skill set on display there. So, uh, you know, again, it's a long runway because Georgia doesn't just have the whole month of August, but I think they've got at least two games start the season, maybe even a third one against UAB, and quite frankly, given the way South Carolina has been a non-competitive game when Kirby Smart has met Shane Beamer's team in recent years, you could throw that in there as well. So I do think that there's a possibility that we see this quarterback, quote-unquote, competition go into the season. But, you know, Carson Beck hasn't done anything to show, at least to my knowledge, that he is losing this quarterback job or is letting it slip. I think it's just more, sort of more a provocation of people wanting to talk about it and look at it from a more interesting point of view. So what you're saying is interesting to me because you know that there's a big difference between playing the first half and playing the second half. And whether it be Tennessee Martin or whoever else, that there is a symbolic value in if George were to bring a Vandegrift in in the first quarter of a game, early second quarter of a game, that to me is a signal that they are doing more than just treating him like a 
typical backup. They are still evaluating him to see what he might be able to do. And that could very well be a smart thing because of injuries. We've seen uh, you know, SEC quarterbacks get hurt a, a lot. That's been a big part of the story in this league. You know, Going back the last few years, Georgia's also had surprise emergencies at quarterback before. No one would have expected Stetson Bennett to be the guy that, that he became. Maybe Brock Vandergrift deserves the same chance to, to demonstrate in live action what he's capable of doing. But if you play Brock in the first half of a game, uh, Tennessee Martin, whoever else, then you are signaling, I think, to most of us that you may potentially view him as more than just a backup. And to that point, uh, I think there have been a couple of examples throughout Kirby Smart's time at Georgia to where he has done that, played a quarterback in the first half. Maybe not so much to to indicate that there is going to be a change or or anything along the lines of that, but to get that backup potentially more reps. Go back to the UAB game in 2021. JT Daniels was out that day. Carson Beck, you know, despite having what we now know is a pretty poor week of practice, we'll just still put him out there for that third drive of the game. And in fact, if I'm remembering correctly, multiple drives in the first half there to sort of see what he got. And then the next week when Daniels came back, uh, Kirby Smart put Stetson Bennett back yep. in there in the first half of that game. Now he threw an interception and people were ready to lose their minds. Um, but, uh, you know, I, there is value in that in playing those guys in the first half against Vanderbilt. You know, JT got hurt once again and, and Stetson stepped in there. And, and so, you know, as, as I think you're right to point out, uh, it, it is a little bit of a bigger deal to play a guy in the first half than in the second half. And Georgia, I believe, is going to get plenty of reps in the second half of those games for a Brock, for a Gunnar Stockton, whoever wins that potential backup job there. But as you also point out, I think there's a lot of value in having a guy like Brock get live first-team reps in a game, even if it's against a different opponent, uh, in those chances that you get. Now, obviously, you want to give Carson as many bites as the apple as you can, but we've sort of seen Carson in those situations before. You know, uh, end of the game last year against Vanderbilt, uh, you know, against TCU in the national championship game. We've sort of seen, you know, Carson at least get his feet wet a little bit and have a, 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 a runway to work with. Brock Vanegar still hasn't completed a pass in the college football game. And, and so if Georgia is serious about developing quarterbacks, that's something you're going to need uh, as the 2021 season thought, 2020 season uh, told us. Uh, I, I think there is probably some serious consideration to ultimately maybe give uh, the backup some more first-team reps in the course of the early season schedule there. I want to finish. I know it's kept you long, and I apologize. But I do want to finish a little bit of UGA recruiting talk here in just a second because uh, I think it's fascinating right now. Before that, though, let me remind you that you've got just a couple of days left to get involved in our Celebrating Teachers contest courtesy of Kroger. We're obviously getting ready to go back to school. In fact, we got some systems going back to school here today. A lot of them by the end of the week will be back, and obviously we're celebrating teachers as we do all of that. We need your help to be able to do that. If you go to dognation.com, you can nominate an outstanding teacher to be honored courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Now, if the teacher that you nominate wins the uh, prize, you yourself get to be a winner too. You can get a $50 gift card courtesy of Kroger and a Dog Nation give back, which includes a t-shirt and some of the cool stuff there as well. So just for nominating, you can be a winner. But our teachers that we announce next week are going to get a collection of gift uh, cards, $100 to Kroger, $50 to to, to to home chef and bath and body works and of course target there as well four great gift cards coming to you uh courtesy of our friends at kroger here right now if you were one of our outstanding teachers so please go to dognation.com nominate a teacher each day next week we're going to announce one of our winners you've got until friday to get involved on that so make sure you do 
all of that today. All right, uh, Connor, to uh, finish things up here, uh, to finish things up here today, um, it's certainly, or finish things up with you anyway, it certainly seems that the situation around UGA recruiting is fascinating right now. You had the emergence of Auburn over the weekend. It seems like they try to put their best foot forward and make a big impression on in some cases, a couple of UGA commits. Obviously, a guy like K.J. Bolden, who's a major UGA target. You've got all kinds of mystery and intrigue out there with williams Winery. What might be going down there? Uh, you've got Georgia, I think, seemingly in a pretty good spot with a really fun running back like Nate Frazier, a couple of other defensive linemen, McCray and Breland, uh, maybe another linebacker kind of floating out there too. Um, how do you kind of see all of this coming together for Georgia right now and for the potential angst of what maybe Auburn might have done with a Bolden or, you know, what a Missouri or an Oklahoma might be capable of doing with a, with a Winery? Like, what's real and what's not in your mind? You want to separate fact from fiction with us on a little bit of this? Yeah, it, it's one of those things where as we get closer and closer to the commitment dates, uh, more rumors and stuff start to fly and, and intel gets thrown out there in terms of who's going where. You know, with Bolden – you shouldn't be surprised uh, by maybe the surge that Auburn has been making. You know, we were Florida State was making a push recently. Uh, you know, Ohio State was at one time making a real big push on this. Clemson was in there. Uh, that's just sort of how his recruitment has gone. And so I would say Georgia has been the one consistent team there throughout his recruitment, and, and it will be interesting to see how that goes there. I know Dylan Royola has just moved in to, uh, to Buford, and so he is now technically a Gwinnett County recruit. The last time Georgia landed a Gwinnett County recruit was 2000, a five-star uh, Gwinnett County recruit was Isaac Nada back in 2016, and yeah. he spent his senior year IMG. at IMG Academy. Yeah. If you want to count a true like guy who stayed in Gwinnett County for the majority of his high school career, where that was where he was recruited, that was where he played. Because remember, Nada at one point was committed to Florida State when he was at IMG Academy, and so that is something to sort of watch along the lines there. You'd have to go back to the pre-Kirby Smart days and Lorenzo Carter to find the last time Georgia landed a five-star out of Gwinnett, uh, out of Gwinnett County. And, and so I think that is absolutely something to watch there. With Frazier, like you and I have had some conversations about Del McGee and maybe some of the running back talent that they have or in more important cases have not brought in in recent cycles. I still think Georgia's really going to regret this year not landing Justice Haynes in last year's cycle. But landing a guy like Nate Frazier, uh, I think it's going to go a long way to, to re-solidifying this running back room, especially when you consider the different types of guys that they have. You know, I think Dwight Phillips could maybe one day develop in a James Cook-type role where because of his speed and athleticism, you're able to move him around the formation and use him in a variety of different ways. Bowens, I think, is sort of your classic Del McGee big-style running back. And then Frazier is a type of running back Georgia hasn't really landed in some time under McGee. And so it'll be interesting to see how things close out there. And then as far as William Winery, look, I'm not even sure if he's going to commit by the next time we talk. I know there was, there was talk of him doing August 1st. There was talk of him doing August 2nd, 7th. Uh, anytime a, a recruit has to cancel a visit because of quote-unquote family discipline reasons, uh, I, I think that signals that this recruitment is sort of all over the place. And, and we'll see if Georgia is ultimately able to land Winery there. But it should be a really fun recruiting week, uh, and there's a chance that, you know, traditionally for a signing day, such a big time of year, there's a chance that most of Georgia's work is already going to be done and cleaned up before they play their first game, much less they're waiting around in December to find out what's going to happen next. Connor, it is a fascinating time. We can't wait to talk more about this and see it all plays out and you know obviously you know real recruiting rivals emerge here for the dogs and uh george gonna have to battle down to the wire to bring some of these guys in so um 
we'll see how it goes. Obviously, looking ahead to Saturday when KJ Bolden does make his announcement, and we'll see how real some of this has actually been as it relates to to Bolden. So we'll do that then. And thanks for being here on episode two thousand here today. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure, BA. Look forward to another two thousand. Thank you, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Yeah, so we reach, you know, Saturday becomes that big day. K.J. Bolden making the announcement. Obviously, you know, it's like we're still a few ways, a couple weeks away from, like, say, high school football, so you need, like, one more thing to kind of, I guess, sort of bide your time on the weekend to get there. And so a Bolden announcement on Saturday certainly goes a long way towards doing that. We'll look forward to a kind of having more of that coming up with y'all then there at that particular uh, point in time we'll also look forward to seeing some of you on our dog nation cruise coming up in april many of you are wondering hey you know what do you get a guy who celebrates his 2000th episode of the show well listen uh the best gift you could ever be uh giving me would be to join us on the dog nation cruise april 22nd through the 26th uh, that's in 2024, of course. We're leaving from uh, Port Canaveral, which is kind of like my home port, just down the road from where we are here in the Atlanta area. You go past Orlando, you're basically at Port Canaveral. So it's super convenient to drive to, which is always a great thing. Going to a Perfect Day Coco K again, which is a, kind of a have-to for me. I love Perfect Day Coco K. Always have a good time. Occasionally have too much fun, but always have a good time uh, when it comes to Perfect Day Coco K. Nassau and the Bahamas, of course, as well. And staterooms are limited because it's bigger and better than it's ever been before. And so many of you have already jumped on, uh, jumped on board literally, uh, because we're on an Oasis-class ship here uh, this upcoming year. Allure of the Seas, one of the largest cruise ships at sea. So many fun neighborhoods. You've got the Central Park. You've got the boardwalk area. You've got so many cool things. The Aqua Theater on the back of the ship. Like, this is a really incredible experience. And it's going to include you here, hopefully, in April of 2024. So Jessica Slater, great travel agent, put a wonderful website together. It's RoyalDogs.com. That is RoyalDogs.com. Go there. Find out all the details with the Dog Nation cruise. Make the decision that hundreds of other folks have already made, which is to join us on that Dog Nation cruise for April of 2024. Cannot wait for that. All right. So it seems like we have had so much change as of late when it comes to everything in college sports with you know the sec grabbing texas and oklahoma and then the big 10 grabs usc and ucla we've got playoff expansion we've got all kinds of new things on the horizon and we are led to believe that there's even more change to get used to in the very near future we already know that colorado is leaving the pac-12 to go to the big 12 and the point that i made to you the other day was is that while that may seem small and we'll have more on that in a moment from the perspective of someone who does think it's small and meaningless at least seemingly, um, while that may seem small, what it really is is the weakest of the big of the Pac-12 teams leaving and going somewhere else that then puts the spotlight on the next teams, on the next lowest rung of the ladder to make the same decision because ultimately the Pac-12 media rights deal is slated to come out. It is expected to be pretty small in terms of the per-team payout, and that's going to make some teams feeling pretty nervous. Teams that, that have a chance to jump to the Big 12, they may want to do that. This is kind of in the weeds here a little bit, but it's worth your attention. There is an Arizona Board of Regents meeting. I believe it's today. Now, the Board of Regents are like the, you know, sort of fancy folks who kind of run the universities. All the big decisions made by universities are made, you know, via the Board of Regents. And so the Board of Regents, in this case, kind of runs both Arizona and Arizona State. And there is some thought that the Board of Regents meeting there in Arizona 
might include some sort of discussion about the future of both Arizona and maybe Arizona State in the Pac-12. I've been of the belief that Arizona was certainly a threat to leave because that's kind of like the next weakest team, next weakest program in the Pac-12. But I guess the thought coming out of the state is, well, if the University of Arizona leaves, then Arizona State, who's a little stronger, probably a little bit more tied into the Pac-12, they may be looking to leave too. And at that point in time, it's just sort of over. At that point in time, you just are basically about over and done with when it comes to the Pac-12. Because Utah, which is another one of those, they call them like the four corner states. Because if you ever look on the map, like those states look like rectangles. They're like perfectly drawn, sharp corners. So they're kind of called the four corner states. Utah is one of the four corner states programs who's kind of reaffirmed its pledge uh, to the Pac-12 recently. But if the Arizona schools and Colorado are both leaving, then I think Utah's got to look around and say, hmm, are we sure we want to be here either? And then the, the Big 12, if they're able to gain this, now we don't know yet what the Arizona school is going to do, but if they do you know, give an overture to the idea of leaving, then the Big 12 gets way stronger in the process of all this. Because while you know Colorado and the Arizona schools and even potentially Utah don't necessarily have a whole lot of cachet necessarily, what they do have are late TV windows. These are West Coast programs that offer late television inventory for the Big 12, which does make that more lucrative to the television partners that are out there. That's the value here, those sort of four corners state schools. And so we may hear more today, as soon as today, on what the future of the Pac-12 is. And that could certainly be uh, pretty fascinating to see kind of how all of that uh, plays out here. But the Colorado move is potentially the first step in what could eventually result in the basic like disillusion of the Pac-12 as a conference, which makes what Oregon coach Dan Lanning said yesterday I think pretty interesting now y'all know I'm a big Dan Lanning fan most of you are too I actually think in the success story of Georgia over the course of the last couple of years I think that Lanning's actually kind of an underrated figure I thought that Dan had a very good role in that 2021 defense oftentimes it's just sort of thought to be the overall talent the the influence of Kirby Smart as a defensive minded head coach but Lanning who had opportunity to get big bucks to go be the Texas defensive coordinator in 2021 turned that down stayed at Georgia I thought that was a huge story for Georgia on that way to that first national championship for Kirby Smart back then. So Lanning's a very, very cool guy in my book. I'm a big, big fan of Dan Lanning's overall. But Lanning yesterday, you know, kind of took a shot at Colorado leaving the uh, Pac-12 saying, I'm going to paraphrase here, something effect up, well, so when's the last time that program won anything? Have they ever won anything? No, basically like, you know, insinuating that Colorado didn't bring anything to the Pac-12 because they were not a competitive football team. And on the one hand, it is true. Colorado right now of the Power Five programs is one of the three or four probably weakest in all of major college football. What, what Lanning says there from that standpoint is probably true. But whether Lanning knows this and is pretending he doesn't, or if he doesn't know this, the Colorado move to the from the Pac-12 to the Big 12, I think makes actually a pretty big problem for Lanning in particular because he's the coach at Oregon he recently signed a contract extension to stay there they're obviously really happy with him Lanning kind of viewed Oregon as one probably one of the 30 biggest jobs in all of college football so when he had a chance to leave Georgia's defensive coordinator to go to Oregon it was a big career move for him but the value of the Oregon coaching job I believe has been diminished by Colorado leaving the Pac-12 because Colorado leaving the Pac-12 as I said a moment ago opens the door for other programs to also leave the Pac-12 there too and all of a sudden if you're Oregon you're looking around it's sort of like the Will Smith gif which is, I guess like the second gif I've referenced in the show today of you know the empty uh, living room at his you know 
uh, Bel Air mansion, you sort of look around, you're like, you know, where did everybody go? Because guess what? If the Big Ten was going to uh, invite Oregon to join, they already would have. If the Big Ten was going to invite Washington to join, I think they already would have. I, I, I just, you know, I just don't know that offer is out there here right now. So, you know, certainly the Pac-12 really needs Oregon because Oregon and Washington are the two marquee schools in that league right now, and probably two larger marquee schools than currently exist in the Big 12. But there's also this sense in which Oregon sort of needs a conference to play in there as well. And I don't know that the Big Ten is going to be it. I just don't know that the Big Ten is all that interested in any further expansion because I don't know they think that Oregon and Washington are a net plus to them from a revenue standpoint. It would be additional teams. It would get them into the Pacific Northwest, but they've already got LA. I don't know they feel like they need the Pacific Northwest right now. So I don't know if Dan Lanning knows this and is just sort of playing, you know, kind of 3D chess with the public or if he's not aware of this yet. But I think that he's hitched his wagon to Oregon, signed a long contract extension there as a coach. But the overall value of the Oregon coaching job, I believe, has been diminished by the fact that the league they play in right now, the Pac-12, does not have a very certain future. And if the Pac-12 goes away, to me, it's not obvious where Oregon's going to go. So uh, maybe all this plays out. Certainly there's plenty of you know revenue around the Oregon program. I'm sure they'll have a home somewhere. But a lot of this is pretty uncertain here right now. And uh, you know I hate it for a guy like Lanning, who I think of as a great coach, and I think he's in a good spot there. But through no fault of their own, completely out of their control, the Pac-12 may be dissolving around them. One more thing here for our crews around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Obviously, when you do a show like ours, you know, listen, I'm going to shoot my mouth off a lot. And some of the stuff that I uh, say may end up being wrong when it's all said and done. The other day, we were kind of making, I did this on Twitter, and we talked about the show a little bit. Mike Griffith brought this up. I was making fun of Arch Manning's signature, and I don't have this to show for you. I should have... Uh, uh, put this on the, on on the video screen, but uh, so Manning signed a contract with Panini, which makes the football cards, and one of those was like an autographed football card. And I sort of thought that the Arch Manning signature did not really look like a signature befitting a Manning, you know, some future star quarterback. I thought it was a little bit, I don't know, I, you could read it, but it was just, it just looked very juvenile, it just looked very young. Uh, I thought you know a guy like Manning deserved a better signature than that. Well, guess what? Uh, Arch Manning gets the uh, last laugh on me uh, for sure on this because there's a story. So the first of those cards produced by Panini was actually auctioned for charity. And though the price that was paid for the Manning autograph, now some of this is influenced by the charity charitable cause, but the price that the card sold for was $102,000, $102,500. That was the winning bid on the autograph card that I was making fun of uh, the other day. And the uh, charity that it benefits, I'm going to read this. Let's see. So the charity that it benefits goes to the St. David's Foundation in Austin, Texas, which is a, uh, a healthcare organization. So benefiting this basically like hospital, I guess, $102,000 the Arch Manning card. So I sort of laughed at his signature. didn't think it looked like a, a Manning, but ultimately the card was worth hundred grand to somebody. So I guess uh, Arch Manning gets the last laugh on me on on that we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean now coming up here in a moment we're going to i guess sort of celebrate some of the i guess sort of the key milestone moments here for uh, dog nation daily I'll, I'll do that for you here briefly in a moment but speaking of some uh you know great 
facts and figures to be aware of. How about our friends at Discover Dunwoody, who, listen, you're getting ready for all kinds of fun stuff coming up here this year, maybe traveling to Atlanta for things like that. Dunwoody, great place to be when you're talking about being here in the Atlanta area because like right here where our studio is, we're kind of in the Dunwoody Sandy Springs area. We're kind of at the intersection of the Dunwoody Marta Station, the Sandy Springs Marta Station. So if you want to get into Buckhead or downtown or wherever else, you've got easy access to be able to get there. Plus, you get a chance to enjoy some of the best dining options in the Atlanta area and an incredible collection of hotel rooms there as well. I'm talking about 21 different hotel rooms, 2100 I should say, 2100 different hotel rooms spread across nine hotels, all kinds of sort of family-friendly environments around here there too, uh, plus more than 200 restaurants fine dining and special cuisines all kinds of really cool stuff you would if you've not been in this area in a while you wouldn't believe just how grown up and developed the the, the dining scene is around here and obviously the, the the hotels and the travel and the shopping make that a big part uh, of that too more than 300 different places to shop so we love where we uh, work here every day we love hanging out with folks at the local restaurants and obviously being a part of the scene there too and if you're coming into the atlanta area you want access to like buckhead and downtown and all that really simple and easy and kind of a family-friendly type way well dunwoody's a great place to go for all of that so please make sure you check out discoveredunwoody.com slash dog nation that's discoveredunwoody.com slash uh, dog nation you can find out more about all of that you think about sec championship december or maybe some of the stuff in the fall before that discover dunwoody.com slash dog nation great place to go to find out all the fun things happening around the dunwoody area as we move ahead to a fall of 2023 all right so as you know today is our 2000th episode and so once again the folks here at dog nation kind of put a little graphic together of uh, all the things here how about 35 million total. Oh, look at this. <laughs> look at this. Uh, can we get a little? Let's come back on camera here just for a second. We'll show that here in a moment. How about this? A little cake here on the uh, on, on the set on, on the desk. Uh, unbelievable here. So, th- uh, by the way, it smells great too. By the way, 35 million. Uh, uh, I guess views on video. More than 28 million on the podcast. We don't talk about the numbers a lot, but uh, I guess today's the day to do that, folks. From all 50 states, 25 different countries. So we gave out our first golden shoe on December of 2020. On February of actually 2018 was the first time that Eddie made his debut here on the show. We've done it on six different uh, uh, studios, including my you know closet in my house there at one point in time. We were on uh, first show ever came August 31st, 2015. We were on video for the first time in February of 2017. What a fun and uh, a cool thing. It, it's, it's really uh, kind of amazing. So uh, thanks for the folks who kind of put all that kind of stuff together, celebrating a lot of uh, really cool milestones uh, for all of us. Great to kind of go back and think about that. How about is it one? I'm not even sure. Total minutes consumed. Is that one billion five hundred million? Is that what that is? One billion five hundred million minutes consumed. Uh, 25 million hours consumed uh that's amazing that's amazing is is that is is that correct that that is uh really really uh really really something so uh thank you to all of you uh there for that and how about this here on the desk here how about the uh the 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 cake congratulations on 2000 episodes you got the dog nation daily in the front here man that is really something to see and uh that is something i am truly uh very proud of can you believe that uh, what a great celebration. What a good time. Uh, so much fun on all that. And listen to, uh, you know, Michael and Kaylee are here today and all the folks behind the scenes that you don't ever get a chance to see BJ and Todd 
and uh, uh, Casey, of course, who's become such an important part of uh, my life, what we do around here. Uh, Beth Bowers, who's kind of been a great you know, colleague of ours you know, for a long time. Obviously, the folks that are on the show each week, like our Dog Nation team of Connor today, Mike and Jeff, uh, great former players like Terrence and John, everybody else who've joined us there as well. Uh, Jake Fromm now. I mean, I could not do this without all the people who make it possible. And I'm truly very thankful. I am. I'm truly very thankful. I'm not always really good at talking about myself. I love talking about Georgia football. I don't always love talking about myself. So uh, I guess I'm a little shy about some of this kind of stuff. But boy, uh, what an incredible thing and what a wonderful cake and uh, wonderful uh, stuff today. So for all of you, whether you've been with us for a handful of episodes or for a few of you who've been with us for all 2000, thank you so much, very much for making really this the time of my life. And I can't wait to see what the next 2000 episodes look like. We appreciate you being a part of what we do here each and every day. And of course, as we've been doing since December of 2020, giving out those golden shoes, we've actually given out more than a thousand of those by now, I think. Uh, so that's obviously a really fun and a cool thing. And we've got one to give out here today. On Saturday, I had a chance to be with our friends over at CA Autographs for a great event with uh, with Terrence, excuse me, with Mark Richt, I should say, uh, former coach Mark Richt, and a great collection of former Georgia players, and a great uh, bunch of dog fans there too. Jennifer Sperlin shared this on Twitter. She said, I finally got to meet Mr. Dog Nation himself, and so it's great to meet them on uh, Saturday as I'm looking at the picture for those of you watching on video. A lot more gray hair now than there was when we started this thing in August 2015. I also think that lighting is not doing many favors right there but uh, nonetheless uh, a lot more gray hair than there used to be uh, but Jennifer uh, thanks there on that how about the brand new golden shoe graphic too how good does that look uh, that was a gift to me in honor of our 2000 episode so fun stuff there Jennifer will give you a golden shoe and by the way lousy stinking gators let me tell you something even on episode 2000 we may be in a good mood but we're not taking it easy on those lousy stinking gators and Georgia won't be doing that either 88 days from right now gator hater countdown y'all have a great day we'll see you tomorrow for episode 2001 of dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then